0: All right. Good morning, everybody. We are very excited today. This morning, we have Tom Hale with us. Give him a warm welcome. And I'm very excited. He's going to be teaching us a very timely message. And we are excited and ready to receive. And remember to stay after service for some refreshments uh, that we'll have in the kitchen. Also, uh, the Kingdom Couples Valentine's Game and Dessert Night is on Saturday, February 12th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here. Please sign up at the table in the foyer if you plan to come and get ready for some fun with games and great giveaways too. And if you haven't signed up yet for the transformation track, you can do that at the table in the foyer also. There will be two classes held in February. You just need to attend one of them, which consists of four sessions. If um, anyone has questions, you may see Henry Talbot. Um, and then after you take the class, Pastor Maria will make your membership official during a Sunday morning service, and she'll present you with your FHAFC t-shirt. And we are also excited to be welcoming Pastor Sam and Sherilyn Smucker from the Worship Center Network in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on Sunday, February 13th, during the morning service. And at this time, Mike has an announcement. Also, welcome Ollie. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs>
1: Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning, I just wanted to make a quick announcement about the uh, youth event that we have coming up. Lit Youth is going to be hosting an event here at church, it will be the first time that the Lit Youth does something for somebody else. So we want to do it right, we're going to turn this into a, a mini movie theater for the kids. Uh, we're going to be playing Sing 2, so that's the new movie out for the kids, hopefully they'll like it. It's going to be February 19th from 2 to 4.30. So. With that, I've been told I got to get this point across. People have to register online to get tickets. We can only have like 60 people here, so 60 is the number. If people don't register online, there's a Facebook link. There's a Facebook page with a link on it for people to register for tickets. The only people who do not need tickets are Lit Youth. So if you want to come, you got to get tickets. If, because we're going to open it to the public, it's going to go on the Dighton Facebook page, and if they get taken up by people who aren't members here, and you come to the door, we will have to turn you away. Tickets are free, there'll be free popcorn, there'll be free drinks, we'll be popping the popcorn in the back, the Lit Youth is gonna work the entire event, they're gonna set the whole place up, so you just gotta come, if, if the kids are seven or under, then we prefer the adult stays with them, if they're over seven, you can drop them off, go get dinner with your wife or whatever, and come back and pick them up after, you don't have to sit through the, the noise that's gonna be in here. Um, like I said this is the first event that lit youth has done so we want to do it right Uh, if you saw the message last week I uh, was prying people for some donations so that we can get some cool prizes for the kids so we want to make it as fun for the kids as possible and if the kids come here watch a movie get free candy free popcorn and they have the opportunity to win a prize at the end of it we're gonna do a raffle we'd like to get something for each age group so the prize, you know, and the cooler the prizes, the the more likely that they're going to want to come back for more events. So that's our way of getting people to come into the, the building, and then we'll go from there once they're here. So like I said, please register. If you if you don't register and you come to the door, you might not be able to get in. So we're not going to be giving out tickets at the door. The kids are designing their own movie tickets. The kids are going to be popping their own popcorn. The kids are going to be, we're going to turn this whole thing into something nice. So. You don't have to be a kid to come. If you're an adult and you want to come see that movie, then pre-register for some tickets and get some free popcorn. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like I said, you won't have to do anything. You can just come and hang out. So the Lit Youth will run the whole event. Thank you so much.
2: Praise the Lord. Everybody looks so beautiful here. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see people. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. So I have the privilege today to receive the tithing and offering. Um, Are you going to put scriptures on? Okay. Malachi chapter 3. Let's read it afterwards all together. If not, it'll be fine. Oh, it's there. Okay, let's everybody read it. Malachi 3, verse 10 and 11. Okay? Bring ye all the tide into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, improve na- me now, wherewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will now open for you, for you, okay, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be no room enough That's a big deal here, to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So let me stop here, and we might read after. The book of uh, Malachi is prophesying to the people that was rebellious. If you read the chapter 1, They was on a bad place. They tell God, you don't love us. Uh, They despise his name. And they give corrupted offering. So God sent a prophet to come and talk to them. And they was not in good place. And then if you go verse 11, which I'm not going to read it because I have limited time. And it tells them, from the from the from the day to night, um, meaning all over the world, I go and get the Gentiles, the unbelievers, not the people of Israel. I'll go go get them. They will they will know my name is great. They will make God's name great, and they will give a pure offering. That's us. So this is a prophecy for the New Testament. If you go to chapter 3, go home and study, okay? Then in the beginning of it, it tells about John the Baptist coming and prepared the way for the Lord. So this is great. People said, um, oh, Titus for the Old Testament. No, it's a prophecy here. And then we'll have expand that into the book of Hebrew. And so, but God said, "Bring ye all the tide to the storehouse." What's that for? Well, tide and tiding. Your tiding is your connection to the blessing, to the covenant blessing of prosperity. Okay, and your tithe, which is your money—a physical, tangible things that you hold in your hand, your money. So that tiding is your praying over your offering, over the tangible thing, over your offering, over your tithing. and uh, it connects you. It connects you. That it connects you to the covenant. That's your tithing. So when you put that on your tangible into that praise and worship, or, or vice versa, when you do that, you are connecting or you're releasing your faith to connect you to what you need for what you need, what is your need. So I don't know if I say right. But your tithing is the most important because thus you are speaking God's word. You're saying blessing over your money that you're going to give. And your money is the, the, the point of contact where you release your faith to receive what God promised over here in, in this book, verse 10. So uh, we, um, we're doing that because if we're not doing, we're missing it. If we're not confessing and praying and worship over our tide, it doesn't matter how much. If we don't do that, then we're missing. We just do the tangible, and then it's not going to work. So God wants us to follow his promises. We are to rebuke the devourer. Jesus is not in heaven rebuking the devil for you or for me. That's not his job. Jesus defeated the devil. He annihilated him. As far as Jesus is concerned, is done. So by us, when Jesus was on the earth, when he was here, he rebuked the devil. He resist him. So that's our job. We're going to have to resist the devil, concern our finance, and tell him to get out of our finance, and then send the angel that he worked for us. Send them to go get the finance that you need to bring to you. But if we don't connect to the covenant of blessing, so then we'll have no base to go and send the angels because they're not going to do that because they only listen to the word of God. So we'll have some little work to do is to know and do and say what God said. When we do and say, when we train our, mouth to say what God say, then guess what happened? We're going to get what God said we can get, you know? Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. So um, if you need the envelope, just raise your hand. The ashes will serve you. You already did. Awesome. You're good. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And um, how about do t- t- we uh, have the, um, what you call, the roof? So, thank you so much for giving every week to over there. So, we, we really thank God. We're getting in there, guys. Praise the Lord. we get in there. So, hallelujah. So, if you put the, uh, um, you're online, you, you know what to do. I don't. I don't do it online, I'm still old fashioned. I do my envelope. And so we're gonna confess the word. Really believe when you confess, because things is happening here. Okay? Let's do it together. Because we are titles, the window of heaven are open, the blessing being poured out, because we are sore, we are furnished in abundance for every good work. We receive jobs, better job, jobs, raise and bonus, benefits, sales and commissions, settlements and estate and inheritance, interest and income, rebate and returns. We receive check in the mail, supernatural wealth transfer, bill paid off, debt demolished, realty received, and property acquired. We are getting our buildings, lands, houses, vehicles, and equipment. God is bringing into our hand a great big seed, and we are moving forward in faith in every area of our life. We command our harvest to come. Harvest, come to us now. Harvest, angel, go and get it, and bring it to us right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Believe that you receive it, right? So you can come up and bring your tithe and your offering to the Lord. I did not see any um, new um, faces over here. So praise the Lord. Um. He's going to do another song right so after the song uh, pa, uh, tom gonna come and minister to us and uh, i know tom um i know how we preach and you're going to enjoy this they're going to feed you and you're going to feed you steaks okay and this this meal you don't have to stand online you can eat, eat all you want, there's plenty. Okay, you can eat all that you want because there's more. You're not gonna gain weight, you're not gonna be fat at all, and you'll never overeat. So this is a deal. Not throwing chairs because you're not gonna have a steak, okay? I don't know if you see that. <laughs> so you're gonna be you're gonna be good. So you, you, they gonna re- sing, you know, and worship the Lord to open our heart more, so we can have more room for stakes. Okay, yeah. praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah.
3: Your hands up and let's magnify them. One more time, we exalt. Spirit in this place we worship you thank you Father Father God for it's the anointing that destroys the yokes and removes burdens we believe today that you'll not leave here like you came but that you'll be changed through the washing of water of the word, through the renewing of your mind. We thank you. Father, what a privilege it is to stand before your people and to minister to them. Father, as we minister today, I ask that you think through my mind, speak through my mouth, Father, that we'll speak as the oracles of God. Let the manifestation of the vocal gifts, the power gifts, and the revelation gifts be stirred in this place. And Father, we declare those who need healing will be healed. We declare, Father, that manifestations of your presence will be seen. And we thank you, Father, that you'll stretch forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders will be done through the name of thy holy child, Jesus, and that you'll confirm your word. Father, we declare that every ear is a listening ear. Every heart is open and ready to receive. And let everything that we do here give praise and glory to you. Father, we pray for Pastor Maria and Eric as they're on their trip. We pray that you'll move in that service. And we thank you, Father, for safe travels for them back home. And Father, we just give you the praise, you the glory, and we magnify you and let everything we do lift up the name of Jesus. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated. So. It's good to be with you today. It's been a while. <laughs> too long. So, I believe Pastor Maria told me that last week was supposed to be Family Sunday. Well, I've been a part of this family for going on 30 years now. For those that you don't know, I'm the other son-in-law. <laughs> so, but no, it's been a privilege to be a part of this family. And to grow and to just be a part of everything that's going on here at Father's house. To see it in the beginning. Henry, I was thinking the other day about the angel food. Getting up and standing out there on those cold mornings. (laughs) But it was a blessing. It was a good program. So, but... God has things in store and more things in store for Father's house, and so Amen. it's exciting to hear what's, what's happening and what's going to happen, Amen. okay? Praise God. Go ahead and open the Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew. You know, we uh, find ourselves today in this day and time probably asking the question, what in the world is going on? What in the world is happening? And so today, I'm not going to be able to cover the whole topic, but Pastor Maria asked me, she goes, uh, she goes, I'd like for you to come and teach on Revelation. Well, we did that, I don't know, I guess it has been about 10 years ago that I taught on Revelation. And, and uh, we did, I don't know, about six months here at Father's House. But that's a topic that it takes a lot of time, but uh, today we'll touch on it, but, you know, we're not going to exhaust everything, and maybe at some point, Pastor Maria, let me come back and we'll finish and uh, just unhook and pick up where we left off, but uh, what in the world is happening? It seems like up is down, down is up, people are going crazy, and... uh, you know, all over the world, Christians are asking the same questions. Well, what's going on? Well, you can sense a stirring in your spirit, and you have an idea of what's happening. But let's, let's see what Jesus said about it. Now, if you see me, I usually use the New Living translation, and I left my other Bible... Uh, at my desk, and so if you see me switching back and forth, don't think that I'm being rude, but uh, I've got my notes and my Bible here on my phone, so uh, just bear with me there, if you will. But it says in Matthew chapter 24, let's begin reading in verse 3, uh, it says, as he was sitting, well, I'll tell you what, let's back up. You're going to find that I do this a lot. Let's back up, okay? Because if you're going to interpret the scripture correctly, you need to look at the first three or four verses in front of it and then the next three or four verses after it. And then that'll give you the correct picture of what's going on. A lot of people like to just take one verse and just go off on a tangent with it. And you can, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. But that's not who we are and that's not what we want. And that's why It's important for you to be able to read your Bible yourself and not just depend on some individual giving you scripture and saying, well, this is what the Bible says about it. Study it out yourself. Read it yourself. And if what you're being told doesn't line up with this word right here, if I can't go and find it and that individual can't give me scripture reference and verse, then you need to say adios and I'll uh, talk to you later because if they're giving you revelation that is so far out that it's not coming from this, that's not what you need. And this is somewhat what we're going to be talking about today. But here in this chapter, uh, Jesus and the disciples were leaving the temple and in verse 1 it says, now when... uh, Jesus went out and was going away from the temple, his disciples came up to the point, uh, to point out to him the temple buildings. And he said, don't you see all these? He responded to them. And he says, I tell you, not even one stone will be left here on top of another. Everyone will be torn down. Well, he's prophesying this about a time that was yet to come And that happened in A.D. 70 when Emperor Titus and the Roman army went into Jerusalem and they sacked the place. Even today, when you go there, those massive stones that weighed tons are still laying in the same place as they fell in A.D. 70. So he says in verse 3... As he was sitting on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things happen what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age well some scriptures say the end of the world what will be the sign that these things will happen tell us when these things will happen tell us when Now, understand this, that in reading the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels, and they're giving a synopsis or an account of what they saw and what they heard Jesus say. Now, we can sit here this morning, and we're all looking out the window there, and then if I ask you to take and write a few sentences on what you see out there, all of us are looking at the same things but I can tell you that each one of us will see something differently, even though we're looking at the same picture. We're hearing the same sounds, we're we're seeing the same visual, but there's something different that you see that I don't see or something that I'll pick up on that you don't pick up on. And that's what we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all writing about the same same, uh, conversation with Jesus, but they're writing to different groups, they're writing to different people and they hear it differently. Matthew is writing to the Jewish people. He's writing to the nation and to the people of Israel. Mark is writing to the Romans. So he's going to write it in just a, uh, the Romans were just a get in and get it done type people. I don't need any detail. Just let me hear the, the basic of it and then we'll move on. So that's what you get in the book of Mark about the same topic that we're going to talk about today. You go to Luke. Luke is writing to the Greeks. And so he's going to be very detailed. He's going to be very methodical in his uh, writings because they are the more educated group of people. And he was a doctor, so he's going to write from a different standpoint. And then, just to give you an extra, when you go into the book of John, John is writing to the whole world. He just encompasses all of it and is just writing to everyone. So when you read your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John read it with this understanding and then with the understanding that the New Testament was written in Greek because that was the language of the time so they all wrote it in the Greek language even though Matthew was writing to the Jewish people he was writing in the Greek language because that's like today the English language is the uh, language of governments around the world when we deal with anything they're usually speaking in English so it was the same way then that when the Greeks the Greeks was the international language that they spoke. So when they were uh, doing business or they had business dealings or they were writing, they were writing in the Greek language. And so when you go into the New Testament and you look at this, and when they ask, tell us when these things will happen, that word means, and if you translate it from the Greek, now I'm not, I don't like this, but I tell you in this teaching, when I tell you this Greek words, it makes it more plain. And I know that you don't, I'm not a Greek scholar, you're, and you could probably care less as to what it says in Greek, but I'm telling you it will make it more plain. So when I bring it out with this, this is the studies that I've done, and this is what I see. Tell us when. That word translated means give us an explicit, concrete information as, and precision as to when these things will happen. Tell what will be the sign of your coming. So we want. Explicit details, Jesus. What are we looking for? And then that word what translate as the most minute, minuscule detail. Give it down to the very most minute detail. We don't want to, don't leave anything out. So the disciples were saying, we don't want a vague general answer. We want details. Be specific when precisely down to the most accurate detail will these things begin to happen. That's what they were asking. So what's going to be the sign or what will be the sign on the prophetic road that we're traveling that's telling us of your coming? So where are we at today? What sign? The word sign there, what sign? That word sign is just like a road sign, like you would be traveling along the highway and you see a road sign. You know, you go out here on 95 and uh, you see a road sign that says Providence, so many miles, or Fall River, so many miles. Well, you get on the highway and then you start your journey. Well, as you get closer to the Massachusetts-Rhode Island line, it might tell you there's another sign, Providence. Two miles. When we travel back and forth to Tennessee. We, I was telling Maddie here a while back that on one of the trips uh, we didn't have uh, GPS. We didn't have the uh, Google Maps. The old age. Yeah, <laughs> All, we would print out the directions, yeah. and then we're trying to read the directions. So, and you get to New Jersey because we we never wanted to go the George Washington Bridge. We didn't want to go that way. We wanted to take uh, the Zee Bridge and go the bypass through White Plains. Well, when you come into New Jersey and you have to take that uh, cutoff there, it's not marked very well, and if you don't watch, you'll pass it before you know which one. And then when you do take the exit, for those that do find it, it splits three different directions. So if you don't know which way you need to go, you're going to end up in the wrong place. So this word sign, tell us where we're at. Tell us what the sign is of your coming it's translated and that's exactly what it means it means a road sign so the purpose for a road sign of course is to tell you where you are on your journey it'll tell you how much farther you have to go to reach your destination but notice this that also on that journey not only do the road signs change but the scenery changes now you can get on in some places and it's a rural area but as you get closer and closer to the city area, the scenery begins to change. So what is the sign of the end of the age? And some say the end of the world. Well, uh, that word end means wrap up, closure, summation, climax. When is all of this going to wrap it all up? When, When are we getting to that point? Well, first of all, understand this, and I'll touch on this. The world is never going to end. Even though you see it there, it says return and the end of the world, this world is not going to end. So if you go away with nothing, understand that. It will be renovated. And you see this in, in Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, where the new heaven, the new Jerusalem comes down it will be renovated by fire. Why fire? Because fire purifies. Amen. Amen. And then you go ahead and read in Revelations there, and it says that the seas will be no more. Now, probably you didn't understand this if you look at the map, so I'm going to hit all over the place this morning. So, uh, but it gives you a full picture. What do you mean the seas will be no more? Before the flood of Noah... It was one big supercontinent. And it says that as the flood came, it says the water broke open from the deep. Not only did it come down out of the sky, which they had never seen before, but it broke up from the deep. Before that, there was like a, you know what a terrarium is, where water vapor uh, forms and you can plant plants in it and uh, you put it in the sunlight and that water vapor is what waters the plants inside the terrarium. Well, that's kind of what was going on with the planet, with the world at the time. There was a bubble around it, if you will, and a mist came up, you can go back and read in Genesis, the mist came up from underneath and watered the vegetation. So when the flood happened, all of that broke up And understand this it was a worldwide flood it wasn't just local if it was local then noah wouldn't have had to build an ark he could have just moved the animals and everything to the next area but it was a worldwide flood that covered the planet people don't visualize that and when that happened with that catastrophic event the landmass, the continent broke apart, and that's how you get Australia, that's how you get North America, that's how you get the European and Asian continent, because it was all together, and if you look on the map, some of those places, uh, you can fit it back together, like a jigsaw puzzle. So at the end of when everything wraps up and when God renovates everything by fire, so it's not gonna end, this world is not going away But it will be renovated, and those things will happen. So, world actually translates as age. When will the age end? This current age that we're living in now is going to come to an end. Well, how will we know where we're at on the prophetic uh, end of this age when things culminate? How do we know we're getting there? What's the sign the disciples are asking? How we know when we've reached the climax or the closure, the, the uh, concrete ending of this age. So where are we at on the prophetic road? So today, what's happening in the world, that's what I want to talk about. And I don't know if I can get it in in 15 minutes, but we'll see what's going on, okay? I'll try. So first I want you to know in 2 Chronicles, or 1 Chronicles rather, 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, it says that from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives, and all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. I believe today that in the body of Christ that we have yeah,
4: yeah.
3: men and women yeah. who have an understanding of the times and can help us to take the right course. Mm. Even now when you listen to different ministers and, and even with the messages, they all intertwine. And it's not just going on and taking and, you know, kind of making things fit because this has been the experience, and we'll look at this in just a moment, uh, in 2 Peter, where people say, well, where is the promise of He's coming? You Christians have been talking about the coming of Jesus since before time, you know. And things continue to go on well don't be caught off guard but there are people that have understanding of the times and you would do well to heed their messages to keep you on the right road now let's look at that second peter chapter three verses one through four peter writes here and i'm reading from the new living translation it says this is my second letter to you dear friends and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Now understand, Peter was one of those people that were in, sitting there in Matthew chapter uh, that we just read, 24, asking the question, tell us what will these signs be? Peter was in that group. And so now he's reminding, because Peter was writing to the, to the Jewish believers, he's reminding them. He says, I don't have need to go back into detail, but I want to stimulate your thinking. So if nothing else this morning, I want to stimulate your thinking to put things in perspective for you so that you know where you're at on this prophetic road that we're traveling. He said, most importantly, verse 3, most importantly I want to remind you that in the last days scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires and they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming? Well, that's what you hear today. And from before times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. People, like I said, say you Christians have been talking about this Jesus is coming forever and nothing's happened yet. Well, friends, we're living in this time. We're living in the last of the last days, and it's no more, you know, the last days. We're literally at the point to where it could be in the next second that we're taken out of here. Now, you have to understand some other things, and we'll get into that. But Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, the dark is light and light is dark, the bitter is sweet and the sweet is bitter. Like I said, we're in a time to where you don't know where up is down, down is up. People are calling evil good, good is evil. And people think that it was just a change in the political scenery that made these things happen, but friend, it's not going to get any better. We've already started on the birth page. The contractions are already happening, and it's kind of like when a woman gives birth, those contractions start, you can't stop it until the process is finished. And that's where we're at. The process is starting, and once these contractions start, the culmination of it, well, it ends with the church being taken out of here first, and then the age of tribulation begins. That's seven years of tribulation period. So these people here are substituting for light, light for darkness, and this forecast a day when society at large will become reprobate lose its ability to discern the difference from right and wrong thinking even to the point of justifying bad is good and good is bad this is the day in which we live and in time moment that the Holy Spirit wrote about specifically and he warned us in first Timothy chapter 4 that the current trends towards lawlessness and the construction of a new world order with morals contrary to those stated in God's Word, that's eventually going to produce a collective mindset in society that no longer feels the pain or conviction of sin, and it's numb to its consequences. That's where we're at. When this phase is fully developed, people's immoral behaviors that grieve God will be carried out without hurting the conscience whatsoever. And Paul again wrote in 1 Thessalonians, he said, But you aren't in darkness about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Why? Because you're all children of the light and of the day, and we don't belong to the darkness and night. How can I not get caught up in what's going on in the world? He said, for God chose to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when He returns, we can live with Him forever. So encourage each other and build us up, build each other up just as you already are doing. Understand that. So this message this morning, what in the world is happening, and talking about these end time events isn't meant to scare you or to... Uh, scare anyone, but it's meant to prepare you. Yeah. You know, some people, I come across some people, and I gave this example the other day. We were talking to somebody. Again, the road signs. You go out here on the road, and, you know, you're going 100 miles an hour down the highway. All of a sudden, you come up on an orange sign that says, Bridge Out, 25 miles. <laughs> and, you know, you just keep going. That Just don't even let up. You just... Go faster. Well, then you got another sign that says bridge out 10 miles. Just keep going. Don't even see it. Keep going before you know it. Bridge out two miles. And you don't even pay any attention. You just keep going. Well, whose fault is it when you run off of the the edge of the construction zone there? Is it the state's fault or the, the federal government's fault because you ran off of the end of it? Or is it my fault? And we're going to look at this because it's going to say later on that these people that are in this time that we're in, that God gives them over to strong delusion. God sends them strong delusion because they're void of understanding. Well, that makes it sound like, well, God caused these people to to mess up. Well, no, that's not it. What's the one thing that God did when he made man was gave him a free will to choose to serve Him. So whether you watch the road signs or not, and if you get left behind, that's not God's fault. Because He's given us all these signs, He's given us men that can interpret, women that can interpret, and we choose not to listen, so the choice is mine. So if you sit here today and you hear this message and you think, oh, that was a good teaching, that was a good talk. well you have to do something with it so whether we're dead or alive he says encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing well what are you talking about if you go in the chapter before first Thessalonians 4 he says we tell you this directly from the Lord that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died he's talking about the rapture of the church now You don't hear or you will not find the word rapture, R-A-P-T-U-R-E, in the Bible. But what he's talking about, there's a catching away. There's a pulling out of this mess that will happen to where we don't have to go through it. Well, I don't know about that, Brother Tom. I don't, you know, I don't know. You've got people that think, well, you know, we're going through the tribulation right now. No, you're not. No, you're not. You've been misguided. Uh, For some people, this is going to be the only heaven that they see. And this is going to be as good as it gets for some people that choose not to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But like Paul said, we're not ignorant of this. We're not of the dark. We are children of light. So he said, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. There we go again. Encourage each other with these words. This is speaking about the rapture of the catching away of the church. Well, I don't know about that. Do you know there's been other raptures already? You go back to Genesis chapter 5 and look at verse 24. It says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Verse 22, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had sons and daughters, and Enoch was 365 years old. Walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared Because God took him. What happened? He was taken out of here. You go over and he's listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And it says he had the testimony that he pleased God. What's your testimony? What's our testimony that we have? Enoch was a man just like you and I. But notice it happened right before Genesis chapter 6. You know what happened in Genesis chapter 6? Noah. And God came down and He said that He saw that man's heart and thoughts and intentions was evil.
0: Continually.
3: Continually. But he was taken out of here because he had the testimony that he pleased God. What about the next one? You go over to 2 Kings chapter 2. Look at this. Go over to 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'm not going to go through all of this, but go through there and look at this. This is Elijah. Elijah. Look at verse 11. It says that as they were walking along and talking, he's talking about Elijah and Elisha. Suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. What happened? He was taken out of here. But if you look at those places that he had to go, and you start in verse 1 and you come down to verse 11, he started, he told Elijah, Elisha, he said, I need for you to stay here because I have need to go on to Bethel. And Elisha says, no. And he says, I'm going wherever you go. Why? He knew something was going to happen. Well, when they get to Bethel, there's some sons of the prophets there. There's some other preachers there. And they call Elisha aside and they said, hey, do you know your master's going to be taken up today? He said, yeah, I know. He was thinking he was the only one that knew. Yeah, I know. Don't say anything about it. Well, Elijah comes to him and he says, I think it was Jericho he had to go to. So he says, I have need to go into to Jericho. He says, stay here. Elisha says, nope. He said, wherever you go, I'm going. Well, so they took out. Well, when they get to Jericho, there was 20 or 30 more sons of the prophets there. And he said, hey, I think more than that. He said, hey, do you know your master's going to be taken out of here today? Yeah, I know. Don't say anything. Be quiet. You know, they're spoiling his parade. And so he goes on and says, I have need to go to Jordan. And so they they go. And all of them follow from a distance. Because they want to see, I told you I wasn't going to tell you all this, but. Because they want to see what's going to happen. And so then you come over to this, that Elisha and Elijah have crossed the Jordan River. And they're talking, and all of a sudden, God's chariot pulls right in between them. Elijah gets in and takes off. Rapture. Catching away. Well, then we come over into the New Testament. You look in Acts chapter 1. Now Luke is writing this. And also Theophilus. Let me tell you this. I won't charge you any extra for this. Theophilus. It's a combination of two words. Theos, which means is what we get our word theology from, or the doctrine of God. God, theos, and then phileo, where we get love. So it it's, might be that Theophilus that Luke was writing to was not actually an individual, but he could have been writing to the lovers of God because he begins both of his book, the, the uh, Gospel of Luke, and in Acts here, He says and starts out, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. So he could have been writing and created a fictitious person, the lovers of God. So that's extra. But until the day he was taken up into heaven, Jesus was taken up and caught up into heaven. And you go on down there, it says that he talked with them uh, during the 40 days. So He resurrected, He carried His blood up to the mercy seat of heaven, came back and for 40 days walked and talked and instructed the disciples and the people around them. And this is what you see here in verse 9, it says that He was there with them for many days That he actually, to prove that He was actually alive and He talked to them about the kingdom of God. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into the heaven. What do you think is going to happen to the church? In the twinkle of an eye. Now, this one's really interesting, but you said, what about the people that had died? Enoch was alive, he hadn't died. Elijah was alive, he didn't die. Jesus died, resurrected, and come back, and then was caught back up. Look at Matthew chapter 27. I don't know if I gave you this one or not. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, look at verses 50 through 53. 50 through 53. Can we go back one more? let's go on for time's sake oh time's up Uh, 50 it says then Jesus shouted again and released his spirit and at that moment the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the earth shook rocks split apart this is what happened at the moment that Jesus was crucified verse 52 tombs opened well people say well that was probably because of the earthquake Yeah, but people don't come walking out of those tombs because of an earthquake. It said the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and they appeared unto many. (laughs) So, there you go. The rapture of the church the church being taken out of here. He said that those that have died in Christ, will, uh, the ones that are still left won't precede those, so they will come out. Their spirit man will be reunited with their bodies out of the grave, and then they'll be up in the air with Jesus, and then we who remain will be caught up together with Him, and we'll be with Him forever. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you've had family members, if you've had friends that have died, they were in Christ, they knew Christ. It's going to be one big family one big family reunion with them. So let me hurry up and get on. Let me give you. Where are we on the prophecy road? In verse four, go back to Matthew, uh, and then let's look at verse four, Matthew 24:4, and we'll summarize this for you. Jesus answered them and said, Be careful that no one lead you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah and will lead many astray. I want you to notice here that Jesus gives not only one sign, they ask for one sign, but he gives them a whole chapter full of signs, and actually there's about 20 of them in this chapter. But notice that the first one that he gives is, Do not let anyone lead you astray. Deception. So, He's going to say worldwide deception, then deception in the church, believe it or not. Deception in the church. Wars and rumors of wars, commotions, widespread terrorism. These are signs that he gives. Warring political systems, political ideologies, clash of cultures. He says kingdom will rise against kingdom, nation against nation. That word nation there is actually the word ethnos which we get the word ethnicity from. And so he says that there's going to be a clash of ethnic groups. There's going to be ethnic conflicts. Widespread famine, economic instability, pestilences, pandemics. Does that sound familiar? Great seismic activity, earthquakes in various places. Widespread persecution of the church. Legal prosecution of Christians imprisonment of believers, the emergence of false prophets, the love of many will grow cold, fearful sights, signs will descend from the heavens. And then the, at the very end of it, he says, the way that you'll know that it's, we're at the very end is because the gospel of the kingdom will have been preached in all the world. Now you might think, well, you know, you're just trying to match Scripture with what we're seeing going on in society. No, I'm not. This is the way it interprets and Jesus prophesied this over 2000 years ago. And this is what he was talking about and we are in the middle of it or in the headwinds of it and it's what we're seeing happen. So no, it's not going to get any better, but he says it's interesting I find that he lists the first deception or uh, the first uh, sign as worldwide deception. Look at what's going on around the world today. Deception, if you will fall for it. Jesus listed many signs that were on the road, but notice the very first sign was deception. Wide scale, worldwide deception that will emerge at the very end. And uh, that word deception, it talks about an individual that's wandered off course. It translates from the word that was used to depict an individual who could have wandered off course, described a whole nation or a vast number of nations that have wandered off course from a moral position that they once held and that they knew to be true. How true that is. So this person is is already wandered off a path or in the process of wandering off on a treacherous route, being deceived, and he's going crosswise of what he once believed or she wants to believe uh, was his or her core belief system. What you once knew to be true... You no longer hold to those values. Where are we at with that today? The words of Matthew 24, 4 are are intended to let us know that those who live at the end of the age will see moral confusion in society as deception attempts to engulf humanity with misinformation about what is morally wrong and right. In fact, we're watching that now. Moral confusion across the world as never before and it's no clearer anywhere than the debate concerning gender identity. Think about that. Girls confused if whether they're a girl or a guy. Guys confused as whether they're a guy or a girl. Let me tell you there's no confusion. God did not create any anomalies. He didn't create anything like that. He created you who you are and what you are and that's what He intends you to be. Full-term abortion, even to the point of being born and put on a table until the mother makes up her mind as to whether I want this baby or not. Where have we come to? To conceive that we could come to that point to where that a person is so selfish that as to say, okay, let me think about it a minute, just put it over there, and let me decide if, if you know, that's really what I want. And I don't know if you know or not, but there's three or four states that have that law now, and they have that right to do that. New York being one of them, Virginia being one of them, and I believe California has that right. All of this, the culture that we once knew growing up was a Judeo-Christian values, but now as the winds of change blow, we're watching the world rapidly depart from time-tested beliefs with traditions based on biblical truths and values. And as a result of this abandonment, truth and moral foundation, confusion abounds in society and we're teetering on a treacherous path. We're on a slippery slope. Paul addressed that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Well, falling away, stepping away from, revolting from, a mutiny. Paul's saying that there'll be a mutiny, a worldwide revolt against the Word of God and against time-tested Scripture. The whole world as a whole will be modified to step away from the word of God and embrace that man of lawlessness. People say, well, you wonder, how, how can this man come on the scene? And uh, it is a man. It's not a computer system. And it's a man. And you go over to Daniel chapter 12, and you'll find out not only is he a man, but he's a homosexual. How will the whole world receive this individual because we have gotten so far away from the word of God and the things of God that lawlessness will abound and then the church will be taken out of here and the very moment simultaneously that the church is taken out of here that man will step on the scene. So there's no reason for you to try to figure out who it is right now but he is in the world right now. There's no reason for you to try to figure it out because you won't be here anyway. Now, for those of you that may not get the first load, and you miss the bus, there's still an opportunity for you, but let me tell you, friend, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But there will be an opportunity for you. So, deception, lawless, a departure from the Word of God. Uh, Let me wrap this up. There's a lot more we could say and like I said, maybe Pastor Maria give me time to come back. But the only thing holding this back what you see now is evil trying to rear its head and it's pushing out trying to come forth but the only thing holding it back is the church of the living God. We are the only thing holding this in check. Evil people, Timothy, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, "Evil people and impostors will flourish, they will deceive others and they will themselves be deceived. So when I told you earlier, it's not going to get any better. This is as good as it gets. For the world. But even with all the darkness, I heard Brother Keith Moore say this, in the darkest night, the light shines bright. And we are children of the light. You're light and not darkness. You're salt. And salt is a preserver. It's a preservative. And when it's used, it keeps the meat from putrefying, from rottening. So when Jesus equated his church to salt and light, it's us that keeps this rottenness, this putrid decay of society in check and preserves it. You go on down there and you think, well, what am I supposed to do as believers? What are we supposed to do? What in the world is happening? What am I supposed to do? Verse 14 in 2 Timothy chapter 3, turn there. You remain faithful. You remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. Now, there's a a propensity today, like I said, false deception, deception in the church. People, this word here, it knows no time frame, it's relevant for all ages. You don't need a new gospel. You don't need a new revelation. You just need the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And those of you that are listening at home, if you're still watching, you don't need to listen to everything on the TV. You need to base your foundation in this Word. God has given us everything That we need. All scripture is inspired by God. You don't need a new revelation. You just need to get a revelation of what God has already written to you and me. Amen? Amen. Holy scriptures. Everything scribbled. That word uh, translates as scribble. Everything scribbled in this book has been given to us to help us. And it tells us that no matter what is going on around around us, God's word will release power. You don't like the smell around your Uh, home, then God's word will release a sweet smell aroma in your life. Correction. That word correction translates as uh, setting you back up on your feet. Do you know somebody that's been knocked down by life? Maybe you yourself have been knocked down by what you feel is just overwhelming circumstances or problems. Well, friend, the word of God can set you back up right. Thoroughly furnished, equipped to do, God uses it to prepare and equip his people. That word thoroughly furnished, some of you are fishermen and boaters, there are two types of boat. There's one boat that you can go out from the shore a little ways that's not fully equipped. You just go out, row out, and then row back in. But then you have a bigger boat that's fully equipped. It's got the oars, it's got the sails, it's got everything you need to go out a farther distance and make it through that's what this word means the same boat that can only make it out a little ways the same boat that's thoroughly furnished fully equipped can make it through the roughest waves can make it through the toughest seas and reach the destination on the other side and you know that's like us when you first start out we're like that boat You have word, but you don't have the faith in the word. And so you row out a little ways. Then you row back in. But then the longer you're reading the word and the longer that you develop your relationship with God and the closer to God that you get, and the more you read your word and develop that relationship now what's happening is you're getting those oars. You're getting those sails. You're getting fully equipped to weather any storm that comes. And when you're fully equipped with the Word of God, you can make it through to the other side and the destination that God has for you. One more thing, final thing. Last days, Paul talked about in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 3, he talked about in the last days, perilous times would come. That word last days is where we get the word eschatos, eschatology, the study of the end times. Final port is what that means. And this is what we need to make it to the final port. All we need is this right here. The Bible has all the power to give you, all the equipment you need for sailing through these end times. And between verses 1 and verse 16, Paul told Timothy, he gives all these characteristics that are going to take place in a crazy society at the end of the age. But when we come to the end of the chapter, Paul doesn't just throw up his hands and says, oh me, I don't know what I'm going to do. What are we going to do? He's not fearful. He's not scared. Why? Because he says, continue, continue in what you've been taught. Continue in what you know to be the truth. And the power of God and the word of God will bring you uh, creativity. It'll bring you to the end. It'll, It'll carry you through. If you will embrace it, if you will believe it, if you will act on it, it'll bring new music into your life. If you don't like the sounds that are going on and the sounds that you hear in, in your home, it'll bring new music into your life. It'll bring a new aroma into your home. It'll equip you for anything that you have. Remember, when you look at uh, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28, when Jesus came across to the gatherings there, there were two demoniacs, two demon-possessed men. And it says that even the townspeople were afraid they wouldn't go by there because these demonic men created an impasse for them and they wouldn't wouldn't go past them. Well, when Jesus came, we know Jesus cast the devils out of them and set them free. He didn't say, oh, there's dark forces there. I can't deal with this and try to find another way around it. No, he charged right into it, set those men free, and when he did, it liberated the whole region. They weren't in fear anymore. Well, this is not our moment, church. This is not our moment to tremble in fear, hide in your house, close the blinds, and say, just as long as it doesn't come near me, whatever happens. No. This is our moment to shine. And Jesus compels us to confront the darkness you and I and everything we need to set people free who are living with so many questions right now you and I have the answer and it's Jesus Christ you and I are loaded with the Holy Spirit we're loaded with the power of God we're loaded with the bible the word of god and this is our moment to shine amen. so shine amen. shine bright amen. for in the darkest night the light shines bright amen. Amen. amen well praise god i don't know if you've been enlightened or not but i believe god that everything that needed to be said was said and And that God will continue to feed that, continue to chew on that. Like Pastor Maria said, you know, you you can't feed a T-bone steak to a two-year-old because they just have to keep chewing and chewing on it. They can't fully digest it. So what I want to do is, is just enlighten you to what is going on so that you know where we're at. Continue reading in that Matthew 24. Continue reading that. Look on down through there. And he says that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when he returns well that evil I don't think we're there that yet but you can kinda see that like I said we're getting a taste of it of what it was like so everybody stand up please praise God hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus just bow your head you know I don't know your situation I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God but you know you know adjustments that need to be made, if any, or you know that maybe you were away, you've were you turned away from God and you don't know God. Maybe you've chosen to believe other voices. Well, let me tell you, God says, I'm still here. I'm still here. And all you have to do is just believe in me. Believe in your heart. That I am who I say I am, Jesus says. Believe in your heart that God is my Father. And Jesus says, I'll come live in your heart if you ask me. And what you've done up until now, you might think that your life is a mess, or you might think that, no, I'm past saving. No, you're not. No, you're not. God says, I can make a a diamond out of you. I can take what you thought was a mess and turn it into something that I can use. So if that's you, right there where you're at, you don't have to come up here, but right there where you're at, say, God in heaven, I believe that you love me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And you said that if I would confess him as Lord, I could be saved. Father, that's what I do now. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came, that you lived and died for me. And I ask you to come into my heart and I make you Lord of my life now father I thank you that you've translated me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light now father fulfill your covenant in my life as I grow in your word as I grow in my relationship with you I thank you father that the word will work in my life. In Jesus name. Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed. If there's any that need healing in your bodies, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Father, that right now, if you'd check yourself, while I've been talking, God's been moving, and I think right now that you'll see that the way that you came in is not the way that you're leaving. Amen, Jesus. Because the Spirit of God has been moving, and the anointing of God has been working yes. in this place. You see, it's not what I say, but it's the Spirit of God moving. And I thank you, Father, that you're completing the manifestations of your healing right now. In the name of Jesus, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Father, I call them healed in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that it's manifested. I thank you that it's manifested and that they're seeing the results right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you, and we declare that You'll continue to feed this word. You'll continue to uh, nurture this word in the life of the hearer. And I thank you for for good things, good reports. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. So there's uh, some food in the kitchen.